Remember this, we must not forget that our saving faith is precious and valuable. We must be diligent to determine and know sound doctrine. We must preserve the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember this, fake doctrine promises a refreshing reign of hope, but it brings dryness. Fake doctrine promises spiritual life, but it only brings death. Fake doctrine promises spiritual fruit, but only delivers emptiness. Remember this, the world has subtle and clever ways to try to confuse and discourage you. So keep yourself ready in God's love and pray for the Holy Spirit to build you up. Have mercy and compassion on those polluted by sin. Remember this, be ready to discern truth from almost truth. Be ready for Christ's return. Be ready to contend for the faith. Sing this with me if you know it. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Amen. It was um, the shared joy of Gail and I to, to have in our home for the last week without his parents around. They were traveling. We had our three-year-old grandson, Levi, for the week. And um, by the way, I have it on good authority, his, that she is, that is, Gail is, quote, the best Gigi ever. I believe it. I have it on the same authority that I am, in fact, the best boomer ever. That's what he calls me. In the division of labor, Gigi and Boomer taking care of Levi. The last duty of the day to kind of pray over him and sing over him at the very last of him finally letting sleep win fell to me. And so every night among the various things we would pray about and the various things I would sing, we would sing that together. And as we sang it together, I did pray and do pray that that little one will one day come to understand what he's singing. And I pray the same thing for us. There's a lot there that we are beloved of Jesus, that he is strong when we are weak, and that we know what we know because the Bible tells us so. We've 
been through the book of Jude, a, a sometimes contentious book. There's some militancy in the book of Jude. And unsurprisingly, the book can, can come across a bit contentious because the central imperative, the central directive of the book found in verse three is that we would contend for the faith, the faith once for all delivered. It's a contentious book. But we also know from verse three that, that in his own, sort of in his own thoughts and plans and desires and designs, Jude seems to have had in mind a longing to write a different book. He says in verse three, I, I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation. But then God the Holy Spirit had him write what we have. And it seems to me, I could be wrong, but it seems to me that as he winds down in verse 23, finishing his, his examples and his arguments and his encouragements regarding our need to fight tooth and nail for this faith, it seems to me as he kind of turns now to his last moments writing the book, that perhaps God the Holy Spirit said, you know what, Jude, as you wrap up, give them a glimpse of what you wanted to write. <laughs> Say some things in the end about what we contend for, that common faith once for all delivered. And so Jude finishes like this. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. And all God's people said, Amen. Our common salvation. Let's talk about it. These are things that all believers do or absolutely ought to know to be true about that salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, found in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, on the strength of God's word alone, Roman numeral one on your outline. Our common salvation should know of his security. His security. The doctrine of the eternal security of the believer is not some secondary sideways minor issue. To understand that Jesus Christ keeps forever those he saves is a, a, a central understanding to a good understanding of the gospel. To believe otherwise is significant error. 
It speaks to the nature of salvation by grace that that salvation is in all cases transformative to be sure. Those who come to faith in Christ receive the inhabiting Holy Spirit of God and a new nature with whom or along with which they desire to follow Jesus. That love and gratitude they, they know toward the Savior that has saved them and who now dwells within them in the person of God the Holy Spirit is transformative. In all cases, the followers of Christ follow Jesus. The followers of Christ follow Christ. Not only is it transformative, it is permanent. To believe otherwise is to believe that it is in some way conditional, which is to believe that it is not utterly of grace. Yes, it is transformative, but it is permanent. The New Testament teaches it over and over and over and over again and once again teaches it here. Letter A on your outline, he preserves his people. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. He's able to keep you from stumbling. That word stumble there means utterly fall. To keep you from collapsing. It's found only here in the New Testament. And it's, a, it's, it's not a difficult word picture. As I shared a moment ago, um, I got, I got a, a lot of time to hang out with Levi this week. Um, and in some places where Levi and I went together, either because of, of, of crowdedness or in parking lots because of traffic or just rough terrain, sometimes it was a good idea for, for us to hold hands. So he would grab my little hand and I would wrap it up with mine. You know what's not possible for Levi while we're holding hands? It is not possible that he would fall. He just can't. His little three-year-old grip on whatever finger of mine he's grabbed is honestly not that much to write home about. And while my, my illustration's gonna break down because my grip is not omnipotent, but it's reasonably useful. And while I'm holding his little hand, he can't fall. He can't fall. <laughs> if, he, if he loses his footing completely as he did a time or two, all he's going to do is swing. He's going to swing a minute on my grip and then he's going to get his landing gear underneath him again and we're going to be fine. He can't fall. Do you not see that not because of your fallible and feeble grip on Jesus, but because of his mighty, resolute, and omnipotent grip on you, you can't fall, child of God. You can't. You can't. Not only will you not, you may not. He's able to keep you from stumbling. He preserves his people. I thank him for that, for I know I'd have stumbled. Temptation, misunderstanding, 
This world is insane. And I'm born a native son of an insane world. My fallenness is ever within me. My innate capacity for grievous, grievous sin. But he has kept me from stumbling for me now more than 50 years. I've stubbed my toes. <laughs> I've swung from his arm with my feet flailing more times than I'm ever going to admit to you. But I've not fallen because of him. Not only does he preserve his people, but let her be, he presents his people to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless, blameless. Oh, the incomprehensible innocence. I am burdened and you are blessed in that I am burdened to be reasonably aware of who I am. You are blessed not to have to know me too well, most of you. Well, we've been here 20 years and a lifetime's not enough time to really get to know a whole lot of people really well, right? It should, it should bless you that you don't have the burden of knowing me any better than you do. I can be a bit of a pain. I'm well aware of my capacity for call it what it is, sin. How can it be that he would present me blameless for I am not I know my track record. But I also know because of Christ what has happened to my track record. It has been shattered, shredded, buried, lost, gone. My track record, the record of Russell, exists no more in terms of my standing before God. My standing before God, as in that moment I one day will, he will gaze upon the track record of Jesus Christ and the flawless imperfection of God, the Son himself, and will pronounce me blameless because of Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you're in Christ, the same is true for you. you. You also, if you have a biblically informed and reasonable, honest view of yourself, know that blameless is not a label you ought expect apart from Christ. Blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Glory is the revealed attributes of God as they are. 
Simple definition of the glory of God is the vision of God as he is. Joy, joy is that profound sense of rightness that comes from the realization that everything that matters forever has been settled forever because of Christ. Nothing that matters forever is up in the air for the believer. Everything that matters forever has been settled forever because of Christ. That's very different than happiness. We, we need to make certain we always understand that distinction. Happiness is rooted in what happens, unsurprisingly. And sometimes things happen that don't make me happy, right? We are not obligated, you and I, to universal happiness. In fact, I've known some people that are happy all the time and I struggle to trust them. <laughs> Love them dearly, but something is off. If we know some of the same people who are like that, please don't tell them that I said that. <laughs> happiness will ebb and flow with what's happening. Joy is bedrock. Joy is bedrock. Joy is a non-negotiable. Joy is, I know that everything that matters forever has been settled forever. And nothing that's going to happen this afternoon can mess with that. He preserves his people. He presents his people, his security, Roman two, his supremacy. He has made some epic scale promises. His promise to forgive us and hold us forever. Can he keep them? Has he got what it takes to keep the promises he has made? <clears throat> well, from his word, we needn't wonder. And even from this passage, we see his Supremacy, letter A, he is solely God. Verse 25, to the only God. The only one worthy of utter loyalty. The only one worthy of final allegiance. The only one worthy of absolute love and devotion. The one who is worthy of our service. In our North American 21st century culture, there, there is some but not much explicit idolatry. There are some even in our communities who probably have altars in their homes to, to literal idols, but, but it's not terribly common. What's more common than idols of the hands in, in the culture you and I mostly share are idols of the mind. Where we have, we have simulated some vision or version of something we call God with whom we are comfortable. He likes what we like. He dislikes what we dislike. 
I almost said he votes like we vote, but I would never say that. He thinks like we think. He doesn't ever challenge us on a very profound level. Why would he do that? No. Please be certain that your loyalty is aligned to the one living God, clearly, distinctly, and passionately above all else. He is solely God. Letter B, he is saving God to the only God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's our Savior. I, I like Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving week. It's upon us. Wow, how fast this year went. Thanksgiving. And uh, of, of all years for Thanksgiving, this year, uh, in, 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 in my little corner of the world, and our family's corner of the world, and uh, our, our McGregor member friends, soon family, uh, Dan and Renee Horton's corner of the world, we have a little bit of extra Thanksgiving to come this weekend because, and this blesses me so much, because those two are about to get married this week. And we praise God for that. And Philip, how I feel about you has been no mystery for all of your years. And Gabrielle, oh, how we have come to love you as well. And we are very, very excited and massively thankful to, to uh, from my perspective, pick up a new daughter-in-law in the week ahead. Yeah, glory to God. He's so good. He's so good. But it pales in comparison to that which we celebrate, that which looms behind Thanksgiving on our holiday calendar, something we ought to celebrate every day, but we set aside a special day to celebrate on December 25th. He came. He came. We did not deserve it. We could not earn it. In fact, this world, and us included, had thumbed its nose at him, declared war on his righteous rule. And into a world of seething, hideous, evil rebellion, he didn't send the second string. He didn't call for backup. As we were drowning, he didn't stand on the shore and shout swimming instructions. He dove all the way in to mud and tears and ultimately blood. He came and he died in our place. And then to prove it was all for real, he rose from the grave, throwing death on the mat and ripping its head off. 
and for all who will trust him in repentance and faith. He's a saving God. Not only is he solely God and a saving God, he's a sovereign God. He's in charge. Through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, that is the full revelation of him as he is. Majesty, that word majesty has as its root the Greek word mega. It speaks to its, his scale and it says that he's big. In fact, he's bigger than big. Levi told me this week, and I know, I know, I've got grandfathering on the brain, forgive me. One of our little moments together this week, Levi turns to me out of nowhere, looks up at me and says, Boomer, you're huge. In fact, I am. He's huger than huge, our Jesus. He's bigger than big. His scale stretches from eternity to eternity to eternity in every direction. His majesty speaks to his scale. His dominion speaks to his strength. His strength, his in comprehensible omnipotence, his utter power. He has never encountered an insurmountable problem. Ooh, you and I do. Something that I have found is helpful is, as, as, as I face stuff that looks hard, I confess there have been times when I face stuff that seems hard and for just a, a moment I've even entertained the idea that, that God, this might be the one that's too big for you. This, this hole might be the hole that you can't get across or figure out a solution for this. <laughs> what I've asked him to remind me of in those moments He saved me. He saved me. You talk about an insurmountable problem. You talk about a, a, a formidable knot to saw through. And I promise you, and you know it about yourself as well, I'm using the ad, uh, pronoun for me a lot. I could just as easily speak of any of you. Hey, hey Derek, I'll pick on you because I love you and you know you. Don't you think if he could save Derek Bradley, there's not a whole lot on this earth he can't figure out? Don't you know it to be true, my brother, because I've heard your story and you've heard some of mine. And dude, if he can save us, there ain't nothing going on out there that causes him to be puzzled or overwhelmed. And I only pick on Derek because I know that he knows I love him. Same thing for you. Some of y'all are rough. The ones of you whose story I know, I can know Jesus saved you from a lot. He's got it. Whatever it is, he's got it. He's got the scope, he's got the strength, and he's got the supremacy. This last word, authority, 
means in Greek what it says in English. The authority to be the last word. <laughs> okay, those of you who've been parents or grandparents or even aunts and uncles, you're gonna know the answer to this one. When you have, when you have a two or three-year-old who's been given instructions they're not necessarily happy about and they ask the question, why? What is their least favorite answer to hear from you? Oh, every congregation's gotten it right. Because I said so. The word authority here, you know what that word connotes? That across the reaches of an eternal universe which he has created and over which he is sovereign, that across the length and height and depth of his creation, when anyone or anything in his creation cries out, why? The ultimate answer from his voice is, because I said so. And that is that. That's his authority. And oh, the things he has said. Oh, the promises he has made. Oh, the love he has shown. If you are here this morning and you are outside of Christ, I would ask you, along with the author of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, how do you hope to escape if you have neglected so great a salvation as that which he has provided and described here in his word? Roman numeral 3, his eternity. He doesn't change. Things change. I got stuff I own that I don't understand. I used to know what at least most of the buttons on my remotes did. Now I don't even know why half my remotes exist. I don't know what they're supposed to be controlling. I bought a universal remote, but I found I could not control my universe with it. <laughs> Gravely disappointing. So much changes. He does not. He is the same in letter A, the past. I love this. He is before all time. Notice it doesn't merely say for all time. For all time would be a big deal. That'd be a lot. But he is before all time. Outside it, above it, beyond it. Time is his idea. The clock started when he started them. He had existed forever before the term forever could even be comprehensively defined. He is not merely for all time. He is before all time. We talk a lot about the attributes of God, and most of us who've been around the study of the God who is for long 
can fire off the three most commonly talked about omni attributes of God, that he is omnipotent, that is he's got all strength, that he's omniscient, that means he knows everything, and that he's omnipresent, that he's everywhere at once. The one we don't talk about enough, I respectfully submit, is that he is omnitemporal, that is he is present in all time at once. He is not moving through time in the same sense you and I are. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever because he's present yesterday, today, and forever. He does not merely know the future. He inhabits it. Before all time, the past, let her be the present. Before all time and now. Now, for me, brings this, this, this sweeping portrait of the living God down to noon on Sunday, the 20th of November, 2022, and what we've got going on now. All that is true of him is true of him for you right here, right now. He is not merely the God of immensity. He is the God of intimacy. You can know him personally. and You can know him now if you will turn from your sin and follow him. Child of God, be awed by his enormity, but love his intimacy and forever the future. He's there. He's got it. It's his. It's his. The promises already kept, the end already achieved. He didn't say from the cross, it will one day be finished. He said from the cross, it is finished. Child of God, rest in that truth and serve in the confidence that comes from it. Contend for that faith. I am told by those who have worn the uniform, that the soldier does not contend, the soldier does not fight out of hatred for what's in front of him. The faithful soldier fights for love of what's behind him. May we, may we be a body of Christ where error has a very difficult time. But may we not be known predominantly as a body of Christ that hates error. May we be known as a body of Christ that loves and stands for truth. That as we contend for the faith, we also extend the invitation come to Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you've not done that, now, 
turn from your sin. Now, trust him by faith. Now, join the grand eternal doxology of those who know and are kept by his love.